this is Roger Green, host of the podcast still known as Surfing the Nash Tsunami. Today we are offering six conversations from episode 41, our review of last week's FDA workshop on NITs, with two conversations from each of our three interviews with key participants in the event. This conversation covers the first part of our interview with Naeem Al-Khoury, who served as an expert panelist in Tuesday's penultimate session. The conversation starts with Naeem commending the session and noting that what drug developers and principal investigators truly are seeking is an NIT-based alternative path to conditional approval. Jorn Schottenberg's response notes that the current alternative, biopsy to measure fibrosis levels in NAS activity score, is profoundly imperfect, as would be an NIT-only approach at this time, but notes that he is not certain the FCA sees the issue that way. Louise Campbell commends Naeem for the passion with which he made his case at the meeting. From here, Naeem goes on to note that the current system denies care or trial participation to people with clear NASH if the researcher cannot identify ballooning in the initial biopsy. Bjorn suggests, and Naeem agrees, that NITs need to be selected with an eye towards the drug's mode of action and markers. As this conversation winds down, Naeem specifically points out the value of MR technology and why he finds it superior to VCTE. This two-day FDA workshop on NITs was a seminal event in the development of NASH drugs and diagnostics. The Tsunami team was delighted to attend and thoroughly enjoyed these three conversations with leading participants. I anticipate you might as well, so just uh, sit back, listen, learn, enjoy. When you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn discussion group. Naeem, how are you this afternoon? Naeem Alkuri. I'm very good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for joining. Fascinating meeting yesterday, hey? Last two days, hey? Yeah, I think it's a very important meeting. I'm so happy that the FDA put on this uh, workshop. I think, you know, they had excellent speakers, and I think the discussions were very insightful and uh, highlighted some of the issues that we deal with on a daily basis, whether you're in clinic or you have a, a clinical research site or if you're a drug developer. So I thought it was well-received, and I think... The number of attendees speaks to that. There's a real thirst on this issue. The idea that they had 2,000 people on the webcast is pretty compelling, isn't it? Absolutely. What do you think worked best about it? You know, they selected excellent speakers. They covered uh, most of the issues that uh, we deal with in terms of designing successful clinical trials and getting drugs to patients that will make an impact in terms of outcomes and the natural history of the disease. I mean, anything that's organized by the FDA is going to get more attention because, you know, they are the ones that will give us a pathway to drug approval. And for me and many of my uh, colleagues, experts, we are trying so hard to develop an alternative pathway to what is currently accepted by the FDA, which relies on histology, repeat liver biopsies, NASH resolution, fibrosis regression. I think over the past decade, we learned so much about the limitations of histology, all the issues with screen failures, the um, astronomical cost of clinical trials using the histologic pathway. So I think uh, for us, it's time for a change. I think the FDA feels like they learned so much about the current pathway and its limitations, they're very hesitant to provide an alternative pathway that will have different limitations. So I totally understand where they're coming from. But to be honest with you, Roger, over the last few years, our confidence in histology has went way down. And I like all the artificial intelligence, new technologies, but at the end of the day, we really need to have an alternative. For me, for most of my colleagues, no one is asking to eliminate biopsy today. I think biopsy 
biopsy is uh, still working for certain drug developers. Uh, you know, we've seen very promising results with uh, Madrigal based on histology and Akiro 89 Bio uh, and Ventiva. So I think it's still a viable pathway, but I think we need an alternative one. And at the end of the day, I think our biggest ask is to provide us uh, something for conditional approval. I think this is part of the confusion sometimes with the discussion that people are asking all these things from NITs in terms of predicting prognosis and what uh, magnitude uh, change will actually predict outcomes and things like that. But at the end of the day, I mean, we are talking about conditional approval today and to qualify a biomarker for full approval, that will take time. But as you heard probably in the last session that most experts in the field, they feel that we are ready to make that change for conditional approval today based on combination NITs. Jörn Schattenberg. Well said, well said, Naima. I am aligned with most things you said. Uh, also from the start, I think the recognition the field gets from having FDA host such a workshop with great speakers is just tremendous. I think it'll be a very important for the field moving forward. And coming back full circle to what you said in the end, I think the discussion, uh, the way I understood it, went that way that we're saying if you accept an imperfect surrogate for conditional approval, we, we're ready to substitute that with another maybe not perfect yet non-invasive surrogate and do not get full approval, but we'll keep these people on drug. We'll come up with a full benefit after a certain time. And I think that's the way forward of what I heard. And I think that's what you just said. So that's very encouraging. I'm not sure they're following that. Uh, I have one more thought I want to share, but I'll hand over to Roger uh, first to you know hear what uh, Louise and you say. Louise Campbell. I obviously agree with what Naeem was saying. And I thought when I watched the sessions. Naeem, you were the first person to bring passion. Not that the other people didn't bring data, statistics, and the normal way that we do it about, it's all about the data, it's all about the outcomes, and let's be clinical here. But when you started to discuss in your session, you brought the real impact to patients about the ballooning hepatocyte, the screen failure rate, the way this affects people's care who are just as affected by the disease but can't be used in a clinical trial. And therefore miss out. And, and it was echoed in the final session. But we do need to send that message to the FDA. And I think the one thing I'm taking from this is the FDA think this is an important enough issue to convene a two-day conference to be able to listen to you guys in a concentrated period where it's all focused. That does say an awful lot as to where the field is heading. And the data that came out was priceless and that discussion. But the passion that you came with was a swinger for me. But I I swing from that passion hymn sheet. <laughs> well, thank you, Louise. So we're all passionate about this. We may have different styles of presenting our ideas, but I think, as you said, you know, it came across uh, really well uh, with the last session. I think there was consensus. As you mentioned, these are real issues that we deal with in any research site on a daily basis. I brought up an example of a patient with F3 fibrosis that has, you know, activity score of four points and they have no ballooning and now they are a screen failure. And what this disease entity we're dealing with, this is not MASH, this is not the aggressive form of the disease. Obviously it is when you have F3 fibrosis. How can we deny this patient participation in a trial? So I think that was one issue. The other issue we talked about is we all agree that disease activity based on the NAFLD or MASLD activity score, uh, based on steatosis, inflammation, ballooning, this is the driver behind fibrosis and fibrosis is the driver behind outcomes. So disease activity very important. But the point we try to make is the definition of NASH resolution 
may not actually reflect uh, improvement in disease activity. And a patient can actually have significant improvement in disease activity going from a NAS of 8 to 2 and still have one point on ballooning and they will qualify as a non-responder in a trial. So you could be missing out on drugs that might be doing very good things in the liver uh, based on the definition of NASH resolution. And the reliance on ballooning to diagnose NASH and then the requirement to lose ballooning to call it NASH resolution with that uh, Brunt et al. paper that looked at the consensus between expert pathologists. I mean, that was an eye-opener for me. If uh, you guys recall, it was nine expert pathologists, like top of the line, and they had to review 10 slides and score ballooning zero, one, or two. Zero meant that they had zero to five balloon cells. One was five to 50, and then two was more than 50. And on the same slide, two expert pathologists can score zero, meaning less than five, and another one will score two, meaning more than 50 cells. If we're putting that emphasis on NASH resolution and we have these major issues with ballooning, uh, that should be an eye-opener for anyone who's trying to develop drugs and for the FDA. The other point we made very clearly is that, yeah, we don't believe today that there is an NIT by itself that can become a reasonably likely surrogate endpoint. But I think a combination of NITs is there today. And one thing we're talking about with NASH resolution, again, let's take it a step back and say, what are we determining with NASH? We're looking at steatosis, disease activity with inflammation ballooning, and then we have the fibrosis piece. And we have NITs that can look at each of these pieces um, in a way that's more uh, reproducible than a pathologist. So that's what we try to argue at the end, that if you have combination NITs, especially if you have three of them showing you improvement, that this should carry the same weight as NASH resolution. So something, uh, Naeem, and I wasn't able to follow all aspects that wasn't discussed as t- intensively is that uh, certain markers could be used to reflect target engagement. And I think that might be important. There was, uh, I think Arun mentioned that liver fat doesn't really predict the outcome, but if you have a drug that reduces liver fat, of course, you want to have that in a treatment response biomarker to show target engagement and effect. And there are some drugs we're being developing that have new measures, for example, the sex uh, hormone uh, binding globally, and that's been altered by resmeterome. So there wasn't an intense discussion on that, I believe, but what's your take on uh, how we could combine that to to amend those uh, surrogates? No, I completely agree. I think the mechanism of action should be taken into account if you're going to develop alternative pathways. If you have a metabolic drug that's known to reduce uh, liver fat, the way I would think about it, you know, with combination NITs that I would like to see probably three unrelated NITs go in the same direction and I would design it in terms of MRI PDFF reduction by 30% or more plus reduction in ALT by 17 units or more plus improvement in one fibrosis biomarker and that could be potentially reduction in liver stiffness on fiber scan. The consensus was about 30% reduction from baseline or maybe a reduction in the ELF score and then looking potentially at a combination of these in a test for example you can do the MAST score. Uh, So I think this is the way I would think about it for a metabolic drug that you think you're going to target upstream, decrease liver fat that would lead to downstream improvement in NASH and fibrosis. If I have a purely fibrotic drug that I don't anticipate to improve steatosis, probably I'm going to look into two unrelated fibrosis biomarkers. So now I want to see improvement in potentially liver stiffness on fiber scan and uh, ELF or maybe Pro-C3 as a more dynamic fibrosis biomarker. But again, I want to see that consensus and I want to see the biomarkers moving in the right direction. So I think there are ways to do this. I think, again, for a metabolic drug, let's say something like a THR beta, in my mind, if you reduce liver fat, ALT, and liver stiffness, that should carry the same weight as NASH resolution. 
resolution. Okay, and if we're going to accept NASH resolution, we should provide that, you know, alternative pathway. Fibrosis regression on biopsy is still probably a higher standard for me. But again, you know, since we are providing the NASH resolution as an accepted endpoint, I think this combination and IT approach is reasonable. I do like the combination biomarkers and maybe I'm biased here, but my favorite is MAST. And I think, you know, one key thing is people don't understand this about these biomarkers that by having the MRE and PDFF, some patients can actually reduce liver fat, but their liver stiffness will go up, right? We see this as they progress toward cryptogenic cirrhosis. So having that MRE piece and just making sure that it's not going the wrong direction, even if you cannot make it go down because we've struggled with MRE in the context of short-term clinical trials, I think that's still very uh, meaningful with MRE specifically because at least you can avoid that worsening piece. And that, you know, if the MRE is going up, it's going to affect that score and it has, you know, high weight in the mast score. And obviously there are other ways to do this, but, you know, I would say probably MR technology is superior to fiber scan technology, especially in terms of quantifying liver fat. I don't think anyone will question that. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation or send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week with coverage of Easel's SLD Summit. Until then, stay safe, surf on, and we'll see you soon on the podcast. Bye-bye now.